WCHD3 Detroit, KMPS HD3 Seattle, WBMX HD3 Boston, and on AOL Radio and Yahoo Launchcast. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. How do we know if we're protected from negative paranormal entities? Is Bigfoot an intelligent being complete with his own civilization? Has the multiverse been acting up in Liverpool, England? Well, hey there, and welcome to the 476th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those many varied questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So this evening, we bring you an open line show with your questions on a number of different paranormal subjects. And you're welcome to call in if you have questions or comments of your own. And the number is 248-545-7685. Again, that's 248-545-7685. Before we begin, we wanted to tell you about a drawing in early October for two free tickets to the first New England UFO conference in Lemonster, Massachusetts, on Saturday, October 26th. Among the speakers will be some of the UFO experts who are regulars on our show, Stan Friedman, Kathleen Martin, Peter Robbins, among others, and Ben and I will be there to interview them in front of a live audience, and they'll take questions from the audience, too. All you have to do to enter is to send an email to us at paul at behindtheparanormal.com. Uh, you can also write to us by our, way of our Facebook page. I keep forgetting that, uh, the Behind the Paranormal Facebook page. Uh, just send a message on that. Or, if you wish, you can send a snail mail to Behind the Paranormal. Care of uh, WON 1240 AM, 985 Park Avenue, Woonsocket, Rhode Island. That's W-O-O-N-S-O-C-K-E-T, Rhode Island, 02895. Please include your name, address, and phone number in all the correspondence, and that's all you have to do. There's no charge to enter. The drawing will take place on the air on Monday, October 7th. So let's get right to it. Here's a couple from the Facebook page. We'll start with those. First one is from Carl in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Hurry, so Carl writes to us. Uh, Paul and Ben, I find your multiverse theories very plausible. Your ideas about uh, the subconscious mind actually being the sum of our parallel lives is really fascinating. When you look at the, the uh, dictionary definition of the subconscious, it generally talks about something that could be exactly that. Memories, uh, processes, uh, habits, and things, and motivations that are not part of our conscious mind, but still affect our everyday lives. Do you feel that we are really one mind, and that this governs all our parallel lives? Uh, what, do you, uh, what you say on the air seems to indicate that you feel this way. You also feel, you also uh, take, take it further by saying that all our minds are intimately connected. Do you feel that these uh, minds together are God? Uh, I am a grad student in psychology, and your ideas are really helping me to understand what I'm studying. The multiverse uh, really explains a lot that the usual science cannot. Uh, keep up the great work and write some more books. Well, thank you very much, Carl. Ben, I think here's a guy who kind of gets it, you know. Mm. And, uh, yeah, this is, I think you're pretty much on track there, with, at least as far as what we're saying, Carl. Uh, I'll take your questions, I guess, here one at a time. Uh, we'll take them one at a time. Uh, I feel that we really are one mind among all these different lives. Well, you've got to be specific as to who the we is. Not the singular we, but the plural we. Not like we as in, like, all the me's are in control of all the parallel lives. Oh, well, all right. Well, let's say um, Carl. All right. 
It's very, it's very hard to be very, it's hard to be specific talking like this in our language because it's very vague and self-centered. Yeah, it is, yeah. This is the only language I'm aware of that capitalizes the uh, personal pronoun I. Mm. Uh, in any case, I, I think that you, Carl, are really one mind among all your parallel lives, as I've often said, and as Ben has often said, we are the sum of our parallel lives. It's all us. So in other words, you are at one point certainly here in North, you're in where you live Fayetteville, North Carolina, doing your graduate work, and <clears throat> but you are also in many many variations of that particular world. Uh, you may be a professor at a graduate school in a parallel world, and that's the only difference between that world and this one. All these variations that they are probably infinite or next to infinite, and they include many versions of ourselves. At least many of them do. Uh, or you may you may be uh, teaching a class on another planet, say, in a far you know a galaxy far far away a long time ago, whatever you want, whatever you want to say. All possibilities in quantum physics in this interpretation of it anyway do exist. So yes, I think we are the sum of all our lives, and I think we share that subconscious. In other words, your memories, your your internal motivations may be very influenced not only by your own past and your own memory and consciousness stream here, but also in uh, the consciousness stream in which you're teaching on another planet. It, it always goes into one great hole that is made up by our subconscious mind. Ben, what say you? No, I mean, that, that is, uh, I think that's a, a good way of putting it. Um, I just think it's interesting that he he's a grad student in psychology and he's using our ideas to help to help uh, him help him in his studies. Some people might find that disturbing. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Well, I hope you end up psychiatrist, Carl, because we need good ones. Psychologist. Well, 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 you have to study psychology first. Really? Yeah. Though I thought you had to study like psychiatry and psychology was entirely different. Of course not. Well, in any whatever. You know, well, there we go. There goes my credibility. <laughs> well, you're in you're in the media, so. Yeah, I mean, I, all all I know is media. Yeah, well, not, not really. Anyway, uh, I think that, that Carl is is really onto something here, and I'm very glad that we we can help. I hope you know you, you don't go blurting all this stuff to your professors. They might not, you know, being scientists. No, I, I feel like they're getting more open to these things because it, it's. I remember even the psychology classes I took at uh, community college. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my professor who looked and sounded exactly like, um, uh, what's his name, Ed Wood, not Ed Wood, um, James Woods. He looked, he looked and sounded exactly like James Woods. He, um, he said, well, consciousness is non-local. And that's as close as we're going to get to figuring out what consciousness is. Yeah, that's what he said. He was just like, well, because the slide comes up. He's like, well, consciousness, most psychologists say it's non-local. Like some memories, non-local, that's exactly what we're and about. and things like that. And so I was like, uh, so I I think I think it's it's plausible that he can go to his professors unless they're like really like old school um, Freudian people. Mm. But even then, my professor was like. Freudian people who are into Freud are like laughed at in the psychology field. Yeah, it's, it's, if they're all if they're all for Freudian beliefs, then they're just laughed at. Well, when I because was, it's not taken seriously. Well, no, when, when I was a grad student in psychology, I was uh, uh, Freud was was um, you know there, there were different. It's almost like different religions. There were the Bajarians and the Freudians and the Jungians and you know and there were the whatever shall meet. So. Well, yeah, but it's like the only people who are Freudians now are filmmakers. Here. Yeah. That's even more to say. Yeah. Did you ever bring this up at Emerson? 
uh, I was going to because of the class I took on Franz Fanon, um, oh, yeah. who he was a Freudian, yeah. and I I just didn't bring it up because I was like I don't I don't know I don't really want to bring it. I don't want well yeah but his the school of psychology that he studied under was at Freud's because that's all they had in that period that's all they had yeah well I mean you had you had a uh, uh, Carl not not Carl Young the other guy uh, Carl Rogers. Carl Rogers. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Carl Carl Rogers. Yeah, I, I like him. He's a good guy. Very, very, very Yes, and very positive. Ooh. But uh, anyway, enough enough of psychology. Okay, but any well, yeah. Um, well, so so in a way, yeah, we're talking about psych- uh, the subconscious being non-local. Um, all these the conscious and subconscious really being non-local, and we're just trying <clears throat> we're just venturing an explanation about how it's non Mm. It's just all these shared lives. Yeah. Now, now, Carl goes a step further here. Uh, do you feel because we have all these minds intimately connected, so beyond ourselves, and we're always saying there really is no self, in this sense, that we are all one being in a way, and each of us is a unique expression of that. So, so we're not depersonalizing people here, but, but we're taking the notion of the individual and taking it to the way Friyanth Kapra and other people. Amitra Swami and some of the, the, the physicists slash mystics, where they've taken it and where the Eastern <clears> mind took it a long <throat> time ago. Well, then he takes it another step further and says, do you feel that all these minds together are God? Well, you know, there, are, there have been philosophers who have felt that way. I suppose it's a version of pantheism, you know, all things equal God and God equals all things. Yeah. And I have a certain sympathy for that. And there are even branches of, of Christianity and Judaism, that, and, and even Islam, that, that will are sympathetic to pantheism, to this kind of, mm. kind of thing. Well, I mean, it's like it even says in the... It, well, if you want to get theological here, I mean, if we're made in the image and likeness of God, then, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, I thought it was kind of strange. Yeah. Well, yeah, but then... Um, but if he's all unknowable, like an unknowable force... Ineffable. Ineffable, indeed. Then it's like... that. That I mean, it's very hard for us to understand that... It's hard for... Um, our culture, at least, to understand that all of our actions affect everything else. That's that, that, that's how it, it does affect everything else because we 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 share in the life of everything. Yeah, I mean everything we share. Life. Yeah, I mean we share in everything in everyone. Well, and, there's the notion yeah. of um, in Eastern Christianity and, and other religions too of theosis. <laughs> oh yeah, becoming God. And what what does that mean? And some of the Western Christians have, have catfits about this, but they don't understand it. One of, one it's of, not. It's becoming like God. I mean, it, it says it says in the Bible that we are made the image of likeness of Him. If we can't be like Him, then why are we made the image and likeness yeah. of Him? We're having a little uh, audio trouble. I don't know what they have against theology. Anyway, well, we have two minutes anyway. Yeah, so, okay. all right. Uh, but in any case, there there's the notion of theosis, which is one of the mystics said, you to you become by grace what God is by nature. But I I almost go farther than that. I mean, I think that. Uh, there's the sum of all of us in the way that, that Carl puts it here. I think mm. uh, there is more than that. It's it's like Whitehead's sociology. Um, the sum of the whole uh, the the the, the, the whole does not equal the sum of all its parts. The sum of all its parts plus something else. Yeah. So uh, that's what I would say. So I wouldn't really answer yes to that question. I'd say there's something more. Yeah. And. Uh, very good, and thank you for your good wishes, Carl. Uh, the same to you and your studies. And uh, we are working on a book, the two of us, yep. uh, which is going to be uh, some of our best radio scripts that we uh, shows we did ourselves. So 
I'll keep an eye open for that. Okay, the next. Uh, this uh, one might be on it. Well, uh, well, we, we can probably we can wrap up now. Yeah, we have to take a Okay. Well, anyway, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Benino on CBS New Sky Radio. We're doing an open line show this evening, and we'll be right back. So stick with us. Seeking guidance in areas of love, career, and family? Kimmy Rose and Friends provides access to gifted psychics and is just a call away at 1-888-626-7386. Visit KimmyRose.com. That's Kimmy with an I-E. And click on the link to Kimmy Rose and Friends under Kimmy's picture on the right. Choose your advisor and click on their link below. If they're not immediately available, schedule an appointment with them. Kimmy Rose and Friends connecting you with psychic advisors, Kimmy trust.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on our ever-popular open line programs in which we take emails from listeners and talk about them for long periods of time, and hopefully you get answers out of them. Well, that would be good. Yes, so let's uh, move on here. Here's another one from Facebook. This is from Marcy in Franklin, Massachusetts, right here. Oh, yes, the home of the first library. Uh, I listen to both of your shows, and I really love them. I love uh, so many of the guests. I love how so many of the guests have trouble keeping up with you. My question is about animals. Can animals be ghosts, and do you ever run into any? And do animals have parallel lives like we do? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, thank you, Marcy. Actually, uh, we, or I, I don't know about Ben, but I, I have, <clears throat> over the past 43 years or so, uh, run into a few what might be called animal ghosts. Of course, we don't use the term ghost the way most people do. And uh, I'm thinking, too, you also put us in mind of our, our old friend Karen Anderson, the, the animal communicator, whom we're trying to book for one of our shows now. I haven't heard from him since August today. Uh, and we'll uh, just keep an eye for when she'll be on. She has a lot of information on this, and we don't necessarily agree with everything she says about it. But yes, uh, there have been uh, photographs, paranormal photographs with animals in them. Uh, there have been several cases I've had where... Uh, Deceased, so-called, you know, quote-unquote, deceased animals, pets have come back in one form or another, and are seen and heard and felt by their owners, and it's a very positive experience. Uh, so yes, uh, they see this, the same rules that apply to the paranormal for people seem to apply for everything because the uh, multiversal reality embraces everything, and everything's part of this uh, super biosphere, so to speak. But the question of do they live parallel lives too? Sure, uh, everything does. I mean, the rocks outside, you know, in your yard, or whatever, well, whatever. Don't, don't cut the grass with rocks. But if you, you know, rocks or trees or whatever, they have, everything has a parallel, many parallel existences. And again, I mean, even with to, to come from our last question, even those uh, so-called inanimate objects—I don't think there is any such thing—share uh, many, many. Existences, as it were, in parallel uh, parallel realms, just as just as we described hmm. in the human uh, uh, scenario with uh, the previous question of human Well, there we go. I mean, you pretty much you pretty much answered it. I mean, if it's like if we share lives with everybody else, I mean, I think it's perfectly plausible that we share our lives with animals. Hence why you, yeah. you can have animal empathy, like you can know an animal's feeling and such. Well, exactly. Uh, of course, the question arises: well, What about uh, well, reincarnation is rebirth as a person, uh, but, but transmigration of souls, as some religions believe in, and many mystics do, uh, could you, quote, come back as a cat, unquote, that sort of thing. Well, I mean, again, in, in the same way we interpret <coughs> the, the idea of human reincarnation... Well, then you already are a cat. Exactly. So to speak, or at least you share all these lives. And in, among the lives that we described uh, in the subconscious when we were trying to answer Carl's question, there are many consciousnesses that embrace that embrace everything. See, now that brings up a question, which I already have an answer in mind, so this is more right. of a rhetorical question, where, well then, why can't we switch between these lives so easily if we're connected to them so well? Well, you can. You can, but I think that society has so many blocks up where you feel like you're nuts. 
Haven't you done that? Oh well, yeah. Oh well, yeah. I mean, it's like, but then why would it be as easy as taking off like another sock and putting on another one or a different pair of shoes? Well, that's a good question. We are afraid of this. I think a lot of us mm. because of the way we're educated. We are brought up in one world. We're educated about one world, one way of doing things. Uh, although now they're. As, as the schools, as I understand this, in some of the schools anyway, uh, children are given moral choices across the eyes of Solomon, right? Uh, but nevertheless, they, you know, as much so-called freedom as seems to be bestowed in these environments, it's still slavery to the Western mind. Mm. It's still basically... Well freedom, well, freedom isn't really freedom. I mean, you can say, like... Hey, free parking—that's freedom. But then again, someone could hit your car at any second. Well, that's a good question. What, what is the definition? Of freedom? Yeah, what is? We might have an entirely different one mm. than uh, the very frustrated. Uh, how come I can't get satisfied? Modern people who we see crying for freedom—I I don't know—but that, that's another another issue. Yes. So in any case, yeah, I think uh, certainly you and we certainly <clears> share uh, all these lives, and the animals are included in that as well. So here's one from. Theo in Surrey, British Columbia. Ooh, what a fun name. So Theo writes to us, uh, I heard about you guys through the Conjuring video on YouTube. I have been listening to your podcast, and they are a lot more thoughtful and deep than I need the other page. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, they're, they're a lot more thoughtful and deep uh, than the movie was. Do you believe that these ghosts were mocking Christianity with uh, knocking three times and all that? Uh, could these ghosts be bringing people uh, to Christianity without meaning to. I know you don't use many of these terms uh, the way other people do. All right. That, that, that's a very astute question. Uh, I would say, well, just briefly, to look at this this conjuring video, I don't know, it's on YouTube, it's on the Wonder Brothers site. It's on well, it's all four minutes long. And yeah, it's only two minutes long, although, although we take for a day and a half. Um, yeah, you never know. You can, you can, never, never, you can, yeah, you can never get too much B-roll. That's right. So, excuse me. Uh, there is one point at which the actor who was playing Ed Warren, the uh, protagonist, one of the protagonists in the film, is uh, asking for a description of the phenomena allegedly going on in this house, which supposedly is less than 10 miles from where we are right now. And uh, although the house, I'm told, is not there anymore, whatever. And he's told that there was this knocking three times, and he says, Stop the dawn. Uh, three times, and all he says, "Well, that's uh, very often a mockery of Christianity, a mockery of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit." Well, I remember when I was working with the Warrens that that, that was the standard approach that Ed would take to that. Um, but I found uh, that these we call them parasites are far more than than demons. They're not servants of Satan. This is how our folklore helps us handle. These concepts. I think they're probably far more terrifying than being servants of Satan. Yeah, well, I mean, they fill the bill because they encourage you to do bad things, but they encourage you to do bad things because that produces negative energy and that's what they eat. Yeah. And these are living creatures. I don't think they're spirits either. I think a better definition would be like Monsters Inc. Well, yeah, as a matter of fact. As goofy as it yeah, sounds. As goofy as it sounds. People would ask me, is there any Hollywood film? Because we're always criticizing Hollywood for this. Uh, this sort of, sort of things that are. You know, silly and overdone and all. But again, it's entertainment. It's not supposed to be science or theology. Yeah. And uh, I will say, well, the, the the film that, at least to me, and maybe to you too, Ben, that best exemplifies our theory is Monsters Incorporated. Yes, it is. Which, if you have a child of any 
size or time, you you that's obviously seen. And even as an adult, I still enjoy Pixar films. As as do I, when I have time to see them. And in the film, as you may recall, these monsters will go into parallel worlds, I suppose, mm-hmm. and um, scare children at night. And the screens are, will feed their energy, which they bring home, and they used to power their city. <laughs> yep. And uh, I said, whoa, these guys, somebody must have uh, been listening to, I don't know, some of these theories. I don't know. Well, I've seen our theories pop up in very strange places. Well, you don't want to be egotistical. It could have come. You know, well, I mean, not, not our theories, but I've seen, I've seen similar ideas pop up in certain places. Yeah. Because they're not ours. I mean, it's just... Some of the terms in certain public video games. And I don't know, it makes you wonder, but hey, there's yeah. people are welcome to it. We're yeah, not going to copyright this stuff. We just want people to get something out of it, and we hope uh, certainly we're... Indeed. It, it's true what we think it is. So in any case, uh, there's uh, there's that. Um, what's what's hmm? what's the rest of the question here? That, that's it. Oh, okay, that's essentially it. Yeah. Okay, well. Well, do you think they're right. they're they're, they're uh, pushing people to Christianity without meaning oh, to? Well. No. I, I well maybe I, I I don't know. It's funny. I have um, uh, there's an old picture of our case in Pontiac, Connecticut, in um, 1971. My first case that I had. Uh, some students with me at the time, and two of them, everybody was terrified by the end of this, or at least intrigued, and two of them became priests. So, uh, I, I don't know, maybe this has a way of uh, making... Well, I mean, I've got to be specific here. Do, do, do they mean just any uh, poltergeist activity in general, or this case specifically? I don't know. Well, what's ironic is in the, in the poltergeist cases, I, the really knocked down <laughs> poltergeist cases I've worked on in the past, the people were quite religious, you know, which mm. I, I found kind of odd. Even in that Bridgeport house where I was working with Anne Lorraine Moore, and the people, religious pictures all over the wall, but they were very frightened people. I, I wonder if it was not a, a negative kind of spirituality, old-time Roman Catholicism, and there, there are some versions of religions today, not necessarily all part of Christianity by any means, that are <clears throat> very negative. Oh, yeah, certain Hindu sects are kind of yeah, terrifying, um, like the thuggy Hindu, cults. Yeah, Hindu, well, that's been outlawed for a long time. But, yeah. And, you know, with all due respect to Hinduism, which, yeah. by the way, is a European term. Mm. Uh, but so there, there, is, there are negative spiritualities as well as positive ones, and negative ones have been known, in my experience, to attract, to attract parasites. So I don't know. Yeah, but they, they could be driving people to religion, uh, hopefully a positive spirituality. That would be the thing. Indeed. Um the knocking three times. Well, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, three has always been a sacred number in human spirituality. Uh, there are a number of reasons for that. We've gotten into some of that in some of the shows. We talked about the uh, human prehistory and how uh, things developed this way. Uh, but that—that's probably the best I can say. So Maybe I, they're just like—they're just like messing with you. I mean, it's not really—it's yeah. not really uh, good to read too deeply into these no, things. No, they will often be what you want them to be. And you know that old line from the movie Poltergeist of all things? Yeah. You know, the, <clears throat> well, my voice cracked really badly. The, the psychic, well, your, your voice is changing. <laughs> the psychic uh, says they know what scares you. Well, that's true. They do. And if you let them in and you let them take control, yeah. which you don't have to do. There's, there's, they don't have all that much power if you have control. Uh, then that's a matter of um, some, some truth, I'd say. So, uh, in any case... Um, why don't we... We can read one. I don't have to take a break. Yeah, we, we, can, yeah okay. we, can get, we can get started. Uh, here's one from... Um, okay, well, yeah, all right. I, I, I didn't... This is a long story. This is one from Ryan. 
does not say where he's from. This came in regular email. All right. So Brian uh, wrote to us. Oh, well, hold it. Wait, wait. Break, no, 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 okay, no, no. Right, Let's take it after right. the break all right. because we only have one minute. <laughs> okay, all right. So we'll start the email and then we'll go over to the break. So this uh, this mystery figure appeared in uh, one of a series of photos I took in my living room. I have no clue who or what it is. Uh, my first thought was that it was a ghost. Now I think it looks like some kind of alien. The head almost looks like uh, a type of gray. Uh, any opinion uh, would be great. Or referral to someone who might know. Uh, the photo was taken with a small digital camera. All right. Now the reason I'm reading this, I, I did not want to put these pictures up on our talking points page because. I did not hear back from Ryan with his permission to do so. So, uh, but I will address this, address this in general terms. People often get strange photographs of people in their house and this kind of thing and uh, think they may be aliens. So we will address this. Um, we do have a caller waiting, and we will address this shortly uh, after we return from, uh, from our break. But uh, if you have a picture that is really strange, we do welcome... Uh, Sending them in. Sending them in, if you'd like to have an expressive opinion, which can be difficult to do, but they, they are <laughs> So in any case, uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS Blue Sky Radio. We will be right back, so stick with us. Discover your spirit. Listen to Spirit Guide Radio, where leading spiritual experts serve as guides to nourish your soul. Every weeknight from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander, The Zodiac Girls with Solaris, Laura, and Kira. Ask Dr. Doug with Dr. Doug Lear. PSI 911 with Katie, Rhonda, and Christy. Life by Number with Celeste. And Your Reiki Journey with Heidi Harrison. Spiritually Speaking Radio for the Soul. CBS Radio's The Sky. Believe. Oh, it's so funny to be seeing you after so long, girl. And with the way you look, I understand that you were not impressed. But I heard you let that little friend of mine take off your party dress. I'm not gonna get too sentimental like those other stick of Valentines. Cause I don't know if you are loving somebody. Somebody better put out 
is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. NewSkyRadio.com. Believe. And we're back, and we have an open line show this evening, and we have a call from Kyle Dayton, who is our esteemed show reporter in the southwestern United States. Hello, Kyle. Welcome to the show. Hello, Paul and Ben, and thank you. Oh, thank you. Now, we have a very interesting uh, report from you about your friend Marie and her UFO sighting from her home in Tucson, Arizona at approximately 2.30 a.m. in the hours of Sunday, July 28th. Can you tell us about that? I, I can. Um, a little bit of background quick on Marie, Marie Ueda, and her last name is spelled U-E-D-A if anyone wants to look her up. She's a television journalist. She's okay. done documentaries about the JFK assassination and the moon landing, and um worked with uh, Jaime Masson and Santiago Garza in Mexico for UFO research. And she's been um, a newspaper uh, photojournalist, uh, international photojournalist, since the 1970s when she primarily um, did uh, photojournalism work for the British newspaper The Guardian while she was living in San Francisco between the 70s and 1980s. And her first sighting actually was back in 19, around 1976 when she was assisting a man named Ed to assort, um, organize his 1945 photographs that he had been taking in Nagasaki. He was with the military at the time, and he had taken hundreds of photos of Nagasaki after the atomic bomb. And uh, she noticed there was a UFO in one of the photos. And that became a little bit famous, and she had it enlarged and made it into a poster. And he's organizing his collection for the, uh, Marine, or the, the, the National Marine Corps Museum in Virginia. So anyway, so I'm going to go on with her sighting. So she's, you know, she's she's skeptical, but then she's open to this too. But her sighting was that Sunday, July 28th. Yes, between she was up between 2:15 to 2:45 a.m. Uh, the flying object that she was watching was apparently it was north to north east of her in the vicinity of the Santa Catalina Mountains. The coordinates of the mountains are 32 degrees 26 minutes 34 seconds north latitude, 110 degrees. 47 minutes, 16.8 seconds west longitude, and the elevation of the mountains ranges from 2,724 feet above sea level at the southern foothills, and that is Sabino Canyon. The highest point in the Catalinas is uh, northeast of that to Mount Lemmon, peaking at 9,157 feet. Uh, Marie is about 10 miles 
give or take, in the Catalina Mountains where she was living. Uh, she couldn't sleep that night, so about, about 2.15, 2.20, she walked out to her porch, looked north to northeast toward the Catalinas. She noticed a white light looking like a star, and she wasn't wearing her glasses, and it was overcast at the time. Uh, let me see. The weather was... I have the... Oh, I have the weather in here. Anyway, so the the, the um, it was mile it was uh, the winds were uh, five miles an hour I believe west or northeast I'm trying to uh, I'm in my notes here and uh, temperature was 79 degrees and it was the skies were fair so it was partly cloudy then and she waited to see she noticed the light in the sky she didn't have on her glasses she watched to wait to see if it would pass by like a commercial or conventional aircraft mm-hmm. and she put on her glasses what and it wasn't moving really. Oh, okay. So, oh, did you have a question or? Oh no, I'm just noticing. Uh, yeah, no, go ahead and finish, and I'll tell you something. Oh, okay. So she said that. Yeah, she she listened and listened for an engine, and normally she said that no conventional aircraft are flying that late there. So, but you know, she just assumed it would be maybe a star or an airplane. So by about this time, about 20 minutes have passed, she had her glasses on and the light still hadn't appeared to have moved. So she then went to get her binoculars, and they are, uh, I guess, 8X 20 by 50 Sonica. And um, she, when she put her binoculars, started using them, she could see that the light was actually a round flying object in the shape of a circle or a disc. She got pretty excited then. She realized it was a UFO, and it... it seemed to be moving. She senses that it moved before she could see it clearly with her binoculars, but when she was observing it through her binos, the object was moving horizontally and vertically like a, she described it as a flying snake. It bounced up and down, varying from slow to a more rapid speed. When it was horizontal, it moved, its movement became slow. It was, uh, let me see, its color, she describes it as pale pinkish, white and green, or bluish green. All of the colors at the same time, but mostly whitish. The color looked pinkish from the distance, but she said it could have been red up close. Up close. Um, but when it bounced, it appeared to be white, but when it stopped, she could see the colors as well as the shape. And it was basically uh, moving in a very rapid movement like a snake. It would go up and down, left and right, and it would move for about 10 or 15 seconds, and then it would stop. In about 10 or 15 seconds, it would move later and start to snake through the sky. She estimated that it was about 5 to 6 meters in diameter. Uh, like I said, estimated distance about 10 to 15 miles away. It was low in the sky, higher than the Catalina Mountains, but about the same height as a plane would have been. And from where she stood, the object seemed to move about 1 to 2 inches in the sky. I'm, I'm not um, um, inclined to know exactly what that is, but from her distance, it looked to be about maybe an inch or two moving and zigzagging, and the next night she went outside to her porch and looked in the sky to see if the object was there. There was nothing there. And I had done a little research, and I had found that someone had wrote in in 2005 to the National UFO Reporting Center saying that about 90% of the sightings and everything over the Catalina Mountains are, are raves. But this was one light. This was not a light like a rave, you know, a party light where they've got the lights going all every which way in the music. It was, you know, couldn't hear anything, yeah. and uh, the... Yeah, and, and um, you know, so I, I don't think, I really don't believe that Marie's sighting was a flare, a conventional aircraft, a rave light, a spotlight, or an LED kite. And I know mm-hmm. that a lot of times the LED night flying kites can be confused with, uh, 
UFOs, but this just didn't fly like a kite. It was just still yeah. and then moving and then so. But yeah, we had you know, a couple you know, of similar with that. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Well, yeah, you know what rings a bell here, Kyle, is we uh, we came into possession of some very old UFO material from locally here in northern Rhode Island and southeastern Massachusetts that was from an old friend of ours who was well-known in the 60s, uh, Joe Ferrier, who uh, had a, a show on the same station we have on Mondays for 50 years. guy was really a legend. Yes. And this material uh, includes a report from Franklin, Massachusetts, I believe it's Franklin, or Uxbridge, from 19, I believe it's, I don't have it in front of me, 1975 or 1977, that is just about exactly what you just described. That, that, that's what struck me when I saw the material you'd read about wow, this, what this describes. So, uh, oh, quite interesting. Uh-huh. So, so what else is going on in the Southwest? Ah, uh, well, uh, you know, I, you know, you were talking about uh, spirits and poltergeists and everything in the last show and what have you, you know, and I had, I wanted to, I, I, you know, I kind of sort of put, put this out of my mind for a while, but I had lived in uh, Colorado for a while in, in Mancus, Colorado, about 45 minutes drive from the um, Four Corners, you know, and it's, it's a real hotbed mm-hmm. of everything there. And, and, and I didn't realize at the time what may have been on the property, but, um, you know, we had, you know, I, we, we heard man's voice laughing, and one night we had something that was bipedal running across our roof back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. We had doors locked. We had all kinds of things. Yeah, and I, I realized that the behavior was a lot like what, um, oh, um, how would they talk about shapeshifters? <laughs> uh, yeah, skinwalkers. Skinwalkers. Thank you. And uh, at the time, I didn't realize that that's what this, what I believe was a male entity could be, but but everything that I've read about it since kind of sent a chill up my spine. I knew there was an activity there. It's, um, you know, in the middle of nowhere, practically, uh, in, in Mancus, in Mazuma County, there there are more deer and elk in the county than there are people. And we mm-hmm. just lived, you know, maybe a five-minute drive from the, the um, beginning of where the Mesa Verde uh, National Park and the cliff dwellings are, where the Anasazi disappeared. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, we, yeah, we, this was, what? Oh, no, I'm just saying, uh, oh. we've been talking a lot on the show lately about how UFO uh, ghost cases have been leading us to UFOs and vice versa. Mm. They're, they're all mixing, and there seems to be an awareness in the UFO community, you can talk about this if you like, that there is a connection between all these things, and our, we believe the connection is this simple, well, I suppose you could call it simple process. Simple as you can get. Of uh, yeah. multiversal um, interaction. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I wonder, also, you know, this, this, this place is a hotbed of activity, and, and you know, and we even watched a massive ball of uh, light move across the room one night, a glittery ball of light. It was very strange, mm-hmm. and we went to sleep. <laughs> we I don't know there. if you heard our show with uh, with Ted Phillips, but he was talking about how many UFOs now are turning into, uh, you know, less nuts and bolts craft and more balls of light such as that. And of course, you get that in things that are, that are paranormal but not associated with UFOs. And we think sometimes the context in which these things are seen will have a lot to do with how they're interpreted. In other words, as I say, mm-hmm. if, if you've got this ball of light, as you say, in your house, aha, maybe it's a ghost. But if you see it outside with a, a, a disc over it, aha, it's an alien or some kind of you know, small UFO or yeah. probe or whatever. You know, yeah. We all look at it from our own frame of reference, which is extremely limited. Yes, yes, that's true. Well, you know, and speaking of connections, too, I had uh, found a couple of, of similar sightings that I, I believe were similar to Marie's. When, uh, and, I, you know, I tried to, to get the connection based on the lights and the movement. 
And they had a, a sighting in, in Richmond, British Columbia, on July 27th, the day before Marie's. They had a star-like object that was swimming in the sky, moved like a fish in a fish tank, swam in a fish-like motion, and it stopped. And uh, the guy thought it was maybe satellite distance. And then we had a bright blue orb, a bobbing, I'm sorry, a bobbing bright blue orb in Toronto on July 6th. And it bobbed and moved around and uh, had, had basically a pink or red spot on it. But it didn't, it didn't blink and it didn't seem to uh, move. And it looked like a sphere it, that people watched this for five minutes. So I wonder if, you know, Marie saw something similar there. Yeah, that, that's quite possible. Well, in any case, we're mm -hmm. coming up against our next break. Uh, Kyle, it's always great to hear from you. Thanks for calling in, and we'll be uh, we'll be in touch off the air. Thanks Thank for your you. Great work. It was a pleasure. Okay, take care. Thank man. you. And we are listening to Behind the Paranormal with Colin Bandino on CBS New Sky Radio, and we will be right back after the break. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New Horizons. No Boundaries. And a nod to the boredom that drove me here To face the tide and swim I swim Oh, swim Dip a toe in the ocean Oh, how it hardens and it numbs The rest of me is a version of man Built to collapse and crumb and if I hadn't come now to the coast to disappear I may have died in the landslide of rocks and hopes and fear So I swim until you can't see land Swim until you can't see land Swim I'm not afraid to 
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. We're going to dive right back into our emails here for this final chapter of the show, if you will. Yep. And uh, this is from Bill in Windsor, Ontario. Alrighty, so Bill writes to us, Hi guys, I really enjoy the show, and you really make me think. Sometimes I can't sleep after listening to your show. Paul, I see that you have a long background in theology. How do you square that uh, with what you do? I am a lifelong believer, and I like to keep my faith simple. Well, so do I, Bill. Uh, But people assume that I still adhere to what I was taught in the three seminaries I attended. Um, That's not necessarily the case. I still believe, but probably in a different way than a lot of people do, maybe than you do. And uh, I'm always uh, sort of um, being called on the carpet for not embracing other people's religious beliefs. So you've been to the seminary, therefore this must be true. It's not not the case. I respect everything I I learned. I respected my professors. I respected the the churches. And it's... uh, you know, but I, I learned uh, to love God there. That's what matters. Mm. Uh, but my particular um, uh, point of view may be somewhat different today. So uh, one of the things that influenced it has been work in the paranormal. You, you see these, uh, what to me are many, many other worlds. Uh, theologically, I believe that God created, I mean, what, what is it? You're taught officially that God created the creation in order to express infinite love. Well, infinite love isn't just one world. I can see it be an infinite number of worlds as well. All the possibilities, all the good things. Uh, if anything, it makes things make more sense. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and that's how... We, we've often said, well, people say, oh, you know, why did God allow this to happen? This, and then why is the world so imperfect? Well, maybe the world is not imperfect. Maybe it is a perfect world when you consider all the multiverse together because everything is in, in, is in complete balance, energy, and even people and beings and things, objects are exchanged sometimes among the world. This seems to be how it works. Hey. Sorry. Seems to be how it works. And uh, so perhaps it is a perfectly balanced world. Just because it doesn't suit us all the time doesn't mean, you know, that it's supposed to be perfect. Oh, the doctrine was that God created the world for us. <clears throat> to me, I've always found that a little bit arrogant, maybe a lot arrogant, and... Um, we are part of nature, not above it, or beneath it, or anywhere else around it. We're part of it. So, Ben, what say you? No, I, I, I totally agree with that. If anything, it deepens my faith, for one, mm-hmm. uh, because it just seems to make a lot of ideas just make more sense. Well, one of the things, too, Bill, is that we, and I'm often asked this, and there, there are a number of clergy who are fans of the show, and when a couple of nuns even who uh, will, you know, contact with us. And if you look at the whole multiverse concept, and you look at the Bible, or any other religious book that has miracles in it, uh, this is a way, not that we have to understand how these things happen, but it's it's nice to get some insight into it, and I think the multiverse ideas provide ways to understand things like the resurrection of Christ, uh, the various uh, miracles in the Hindu tradition, and I'm thinking particularly of the production of milk every year by the elephant god, his name escapes me at the moment, uh, and uh, the, the healing of, of cancer victims at the uh, 
Assyrian at the Temple of Isis in Abydos, which still goes on, as I, so I'm told. And uh, all, all these good things, the ascension of Christ, you know, the, rise, the apostles see him rise up from the earth. And, and where did he go? Outer space? Of course not. You know, the whole idea of parallel worlds, parallel realities, making things real here that are real somewhere else and that are needed. Uh, these are all ways to deepen faith, I would think. And so I have been told. Well, it's not like we're saying make everything extremely complicated. Yeah, the last well, line in this thing is I like to keep my faith simple. Like, well, there's nothing wrong with being simple. Uh, that's why I like to keep my faith, too. You know? But it's just from our point of view, it's, it's fun to kind of understand you know, and then take a look at how these things might be, uh, might be happening. Um, the issues in the different religious, organized religious groups, I don't know what they would say. Uh, from my last uh, book on this subject, Turning Home, God Goes to Human Destiny, I looked at um, exactly how, from the, the history of the paranormal, uh, how people look at their own religions. And I found a number of interesting things. I found, in my opinion, that the paranormal is the mother, as I've said several times on the show, of not only religion, but of science. Mm -hmm. Had there been no mysteries to explain, there would have been probably no, no, uh, no science. Had there been, been no, if you want to say, supernatural, use an old term, beings to respond to, there would have been no religion, mm. really, in the sense we have it today. So I think that the paranormal is really uh, the paranormal in the sense of the interaction of parallel worlds and the various mixing, sometimes and overlapping of various phenomena and beings uh, is uh, resulted in, in all of these things. So uh, that, that's something else to consider. So I found, uh, I did a sort of an unofficial survey for several years that nobody, uh, not nobody, but very few, very few rank-and-file people really understood their own religions. Mm. Um, and it adhered in the sense that, that they were taught to the teachings of the elders of the big cheeses of the clergy, whatever. Uh, for example, in Christianity, and I'm, I'm sometimes called on the carpet for this by people who know I've been in a seminary, like Bill, and sometimes wonder what, how this, this affects me. And they'll say, well, that, that, that's heresy. But I'll listen to them describe their view of their church, and, and as one who has theological training, I will hear heresy after heresy after heresy in what they're saying. So, uh, you know, heresy being um, a false choice, and that's the literal meaning of the term. So, again, it all, it's very personal, it's very individual, and uh, what you may, and you may go to one church or synagogue or mosque, or whatever, maybe not, I don't know, maybe not a mosque, but, and hear different faiths preached, or at least different points of view on the same faith. So it's a matter of um, really not um, um, kind of getting it, I suppose. But people do what they feel they should do. In the end, it's us and God, really. You, you and God. It's Nobody else is going to get in between. In the end, all theology ends in silence. Mm. So, that's, that's our point of view on that. Um, so, we got... All right, we're, well, we're going to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, we can wrap it up. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for everyone who wrote in. As I say, you not only have to write... You not only can write to Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com or use the website. You can write to us by Facebook. Somebody pointed out to me... Why don't, you, why don't you tell people to write by Facebook? Yeah, you, can like us, you can like us on Facebook. And, yeah, that, that would be nice, too. We'll uh, you do a lot of wonderful I'm, links. I'm being domesticated, finally, by my son, as far as this old track stuff is concerned. Right. So in any case, uh, our website, again, behindtheparanormal.com, all the podcasts are finally up and running and up to date once again, I believe. Thank you for your patience during the cyber attack. 
find my books on Barnes & Noble Nook, Amazon Kindle, and those websites. If you buy them on the websites, it'll help us keep those podcasts free. Alrighty, so many thanks to our producer, Brandon Jackson. We will see you next... What? You just did it. I did? Yes. I didn't do the promo for next week. Oh, for next week? Yeah. Well, uh... Okay. Well, let's do that. What do we got for next week? We've got, um... We don't know yet. Okay. Pretty sure next week. You mean uh, mean this Monday? Because this Monday it's going to be open lines. Well, it is and it isn't. But. All right. Well, anyway, many thanks to your producer, Brandon Jackson. Next week, we will send. Uh, we will welcome. We don't know. You. We don't know. So it's a. It's going to be a mystery. So ending your show in total confusion. Uh, tune into our Boston Prophetess Drive Time Show on WORN twelve forty a.m. and ONLiveLive.com at six p.m. Eastern Time, three Pacific, every Monday. We'll leave this evening with a quip from twentieth century American entertainer Jimmy Durante. Be nice to people on your way up, because you'll need you'll meet them on your way down. I'm Paul Eno. I'm Benny. No, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. We shall see you next time. <laughs>